Hey, y'all. Welcome to our first episode of Pop Junction. Uh, it is our first podcast ever, and we fucked up. There's no other way of saying it. Um, <laughs> Mia's audio had a snafu, so we were forced to rely upon her audio coming through on my uh, through my computer speakers. So we got an engineer on the case, and we figured out a way to make it audible, but her audio quality isn't as good as mine for these first couple of episodes, so just bear with us. It will be better from here on out. We could have re-recorded, but... I just felt like we had some really good gems in there that couldn't really be recreated organically. So enjoy. We love you. This is Pop Junction. (laughs) I don't know why I just got really nervous. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. All right. This is it, man. (laughs) Welcome to uh, an untitled as of yet podcast. (laughs) My name is Caitlin Graham. My name is Nina Howard. We are two Xennials who have been best friends for uh, 25 years. Brooklyn raised before it was cool. Um, South Brooklyn, to be exact. This podcast is meant to be sort of an opportunity for us to look back on both the experiences that shaped us and the pop culture that shaped us. But we don't have a title yet. I'm working on it. Oh, good job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so has anybody called you a millennial before? Um, I feel like people call me millennial all the time. No. No. It's interesting because... I am a, a full millennial and or a zennial. Anyway, yeah. Is it zennial or exennial? Am I am I like being a dumbass? I, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Zennial, exennial. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. You're both a millennial and a zennial. Yeah. And <laughs> when I was um, in my last role running schools, Anytime I was upset about the work ethic of our young people, I would just be like, ah, damn millennials, you know? (laughs) I'm forgetting that I am a millennial myself. But I do think that there's like, you know, differences, which is why I've really gravitated towards this zennial thing. So I'm like, yes, it captures Mm -hmm. like that analog life that we had you know totally um and I I get really angry when um I have a bunch of friends who are like very solidly millennials like people who are like 25 like between 25 and 30 I feel like that's very solidly millennial um and they'll like loop me in to the millennial umbrella and I'm just like I know that like according to most sources that is technically true but I feel like our experience growing up was so different you know what I mean? Like the di- the difference between a 35-year-old's childhood and a 25-year-old's childhood right now, I feel like is huge. Right? It is. Yeah. We're talking about what came to mind, which is like a point of pride and frustration simultaneously. It's like we literally are the age that like grew up with the internet, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I remember that moment in high school or late yes. junior high where like AOL came out and we were mm. all like at, you know in our homes like with the dial up dial up man I used to get like, Google connections or whatever and like talk to random people <laughs> um oh yeah AOL chat rooms 
Yeah, exposing ourselves to like, um, you know, human traffickers and child molesters, clearly. Two thoughts. One, um, you know, the whole thing with the profile where you would like hide content in it. Yes. Yes. White text, right? Like, you make your profile black, you make your screen black, and then like, yes. 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 Oh, that was like peak adolescence, peak teenage emo-ness. Yeah. It was always like a song lyric that applied to whatever, you know, drama was happening in reality or in your head. Exactly. Usually in the head. Yeah. Like, literally... We could have been billionaires. Like, we should really see Like, <laughs> we almost did, though. We almost did, though. I don't know. Listeners, listeners, believe it or not, we are actually the real founders and inventors of mylife.com. We had the idea before it actually came to fruition, and we just never seized upon it. We had a long brainstorming session, and then life got in the way. Life got in the way. And MyLife.com was created by some other bitch and never really took off. It would have taken off if we had done it. I sound like our president right now with the hubris, but that's how I feel. You should feel that way, because I want everyone to also know Caitlin's dad was our first <laughs> We were like shopping somewhere, probably in the city, and we had this idea. Bobby G. Right. <laughs> we called him right away, and via phone, he was like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea." What is My dad is so supportive. Yeah, we just didn't do anything. <laughs> we didn't do anything. How how old were we? Were we in college when that happened? No, that was after college. It's like, it's yeah. a thing. So That's right. Yeah. Back then, it was probably uh, the Facebook.com. Do you remember when it was like a very selective pool of schools and that was it? Yes. And I like to think I'm the person that brought Facebook to Vanderbilt. <laughs> uh, but when I got to campus that fall of our senior year, Facebook was only like a Northeastern elite colleges thing. Mm-hmm. And being from Brooklyn and all my friends going to these elite Northeastern colleges. That's right. They were like, oh my God. That's right. I forgot that it was like also regional on top of being like elitist. (laughs) I got back to campus that fall. I like, you know, they had a thing on there that was like contact Facebook, you want your campus to join or whatever. And I did. And I brought it to Vanderbilt University. Oh my God. Yeah. Which is actually, see, this is the part about the podcast being public where I'm like, Mm -hmm. This is we're going to be navigating this all the way through, man. Yeah, high school crush that I had. Uh, <laughs> I read two like once once uh, Facebook had reached Vanderbilt's campus um, allowed me to be in touch with him because he was at another university in the early Facebook network, and we reconnected. And I was very happy about. Uh, but we're not here today to talk about high school slash. No, we are here to talk about high school, but we're not here to talk about college. We're not here to talk about the end of college and the introduction of social media into our lives as Xennials, Xennials, Millennials, whatever the fuck we are. Um, we are here to talk about our Lord and Savior, Miss Janet Jackson, and probably the peak of her artistic career. The peak, right? Would you say that? Wow, I hadn't thought about it like that. That's dark. No, oh no, 
was no, it was not intended to be negative. That was purely like when I say it was the peak of her artistic career, that's definitely not me saying like she'll never reach those heights again. Like that's not that wasn't the subtext there. Like you know that I'm I'm probably the biggest believer in like Janet will have a renaissance on that level again. I believe this. I believe this. I do. I see skepticism in your eyes, even over Zoom. (laughs) It puts the last 22 years in a context of her on decline. That is definitely not, that was definitely not my intention. I think maybe when I, maybe I shouldn't say peak. I would just say probably our favorite Janet era. Why don't we just say that? Or maybe the most, like the closest to our hearts, probably. Like, although I feel like, I mean, the last album I truly enjoyed was Velvet Rope. Was Velvet Rope? Like, All for You was not for me. I mean, yeah, it had, it had its, it had its lens. Like, um, trust to try. The one sexy track that I had on my. <laughs> there were some classic tracks on All for You, but generally Velvet Rope tour is like, it was like Janet came out, and I was like, I'm already beside myself. Yes. Then, yes. And then this happened. It's okay. We both have dogs, and so from time to time, we're going to be, like, yelling at dogs in the background. And um, You will add a segment later on called My Dog is an Asshole. That's right. There'll be many segments. Getting ready for a close-up. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, no, I mean... I, I don't disagree. It's just like, put it, for me, it was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, that was her peak, perhaps. So it's just weird to talk about it now as such. When I say it's her peak, I feel like it was the peak of her artistry. Meaning, like, I feel like the Velvet Rope album and the Velvet Rope tour were a distinct time in her career where she genuinely said, I am going to do 100% exactly what I want with this album. It's not going to be like in service of a single. It's not going to be in service of, you know, I don't know, living up to the Janet album. Um, I don't know. It just it felt for me like it was a very artistically free moment in her career. And she was very experimental on the album. And I remember so much so that like. 10-year-old Caitlin, like the Janet period album came out, um, which was my discovery of Janet Jackson. And the song If came out. And I think, as you are wont to do when you're 10 years old, like that was the only song I listened to for like four years. (laughs) It was my favorite song. Um, So that album was very important to me. And so I like when Velvet Rope was supposed to come out four years later, I was like so amped up for it to come out. And I remember Got Till It's Gone, the first single came out and it sounded so different from what she'd done before. And I remember hearing it on the radio and being genuinely like, I really want to like this and I don't know if I like it yet. And I, I just genuinely don't know how I feel because it doesn't feel like the Janet that I know. Um and I remember getting the album and feeling the same way because the, fir- the first track is you, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you is like such a weird song. Like vocally, she's doing like really crazy shit that she's never done before. Like she's got that really low voice in that song. It's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, um, which we'd never heard before. And I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this because it's not the Janet I'm used to, but 
Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I just feel like she was very. I don't mind if I if I do something completely out of left field. That's what I want to do right now. That resonates. Um, I honestly was like a lukewarm Janet person. Like I really liked. Like I really liked. Um, like her late 80s stuff. Like I was super into that. And then of course I loved it. I was like, what? Like, what is this magic? Um, it's still magic. Um, um, but actually I feel like I became a full fledged like Bill Roper was like my Janet awakening of like, oh, mm. she's a goddess. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I didn't know. <laughs> now was um, it was it the tour or was it the album? Which came it first? It was the tour. Because embarrassingly, I'm pretty sure I didn't get into the full album until after the tour. So like I listened to That's What's Gone, which I agree, right? Like we had same reflections, it comes out. I'm like, what do I think about this? Like, I don't know. Um, but that also dovetailed with like my first couple of years having cable. And so, you know, I was like a cable junkie coming home after school, watching VH1 seeing the Got Clothes Gone video like 8 billion times. Yeah, and they would play it like constantly. I remember that. Together <laughs> um, Again had also been released as a single, I think, before we saw the concert. Yes. And I think that, or that track really resonated with me. Um, i trying to think what other singles had come out before. Oh, Go oh deep. my gosh. Um, and um, my favorite track, uh, I Get Lonely. That's what it was. Oh, I Get Lonely. And so... Yes. That's what it was. Like, I get lonely, like on repeat, you know, and, and, and watching her like do the thing where she like takes off the tie and like takes off the button down shirt and like and just exposes like, her bosom to America. I was like, oh my God, she's a goddess. And um, yeah, and so I went to the concert knowing, I don't know, three or four of the songs on that album. Um, but I remember the desperation with which I told my mom I needed to go. <laughs> Like, I have to go to this concert. Like, how are we going to make this happen? I don't even know how we got information back then, right? Because it was like... (laughs) I mean, I feel like it was so... Oh my god, I'm such a nerd. I remember when, so I was so nerdy when the Velvet Rope um, album was about to drop that album that Janet did. Do you remember? Do you remember the magazine Vibe? I don't even know if it still exists. But there was a magazine called Vibe, children. Um, And Janet graced the cover of Vibe, timing it with like the release of the Velvet Rope. And she did all these appearances on TRL and all these talk shows and everything. So a lot of it was like TV. And it was also, I mean, it was internet. Like there were there were Janet fan sites and shit like that, that I was always frequenting, you know. Where they would be like, Janet is going to be on Letterman or, you know, <laughs> whoever it was at that point. Rosie O'Donnell. But yeah, it was it was work to like stay up on that stuff. So but it was it was out there. Also, uh, our well, this came a little bit later in high school. But uh, so we grew up in Brooklyn. And uh, back in the day, they used to film TRL in Times Square. Right. In Manhattan. Just a subway <laughs> right away. Um, and I never took part in this, sadly. I wish I had. But a lot of my friends would cut class to go to TRL and stand outside the window out on the street and wave, wave to the likes of NSYNC and whatnot. Um, but I guess we were too a little too young to do that for Janet. 
I cut school a lot for that. Who did you see? You saw in sync, right? Uh, also me. I mean, so I think um, that was some gangster shit. We, had, we got up at like five in the morning. We were like on the train before six a.m. Because how early would people gather? Um, early. I mean, the in sync one was interesting because it was their it was their album. Day, it was like the day that their album dropped for No Strings Attached, mm. and I don't even think they were on TRL. TRL filmed in the afternoon, so there must have been That's like right. a morning plate of shows they were on that also probably filmed in the area because we just like oh you know what that might have been closer to like Rockefeller or something. Yes, we, like, went to like they probably did like Good Morning America. Yes, and we like went over there to go see them, and we did. We saw their we saw them in the SUV. <laughs> I saw, I mean, this is like, you know, topics I think for another day. I'd be like, Ashton Kutcher, Ryan Phillippe, I could go on. It was just like, name a white boy. Name a somewhat androgynous, uh, pretty white boy. You were, you were mean, there. Let's not talk about Leonardo. Oof. You know, my Stay tuned for our like 40 part series on uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo's, uh, Leo DiCaprio's oeuvre. That's not the way you say it, but I don't speak French. His body of work, whatever. But yeah, like all that, all that stuff was just out in the ether. So I guess we, I mean, you and I, like we were just, we were in our favorite pop culture figures. Like we were just in it, you know? So I guess we found out through the internet, through TRL, through like talk shows, whatever. Z100! She was instructive and like understanding that she had a concert coming to Madison Garden. Absolutely. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, I have to go to this concert. And she actually had a plug. Like she had some like work connect. That's right. I remember that. Um, like she was able to get tickets through a colleague or might've been like, a, you know, like some com- big companies have like. They'll do like a group uh, discount yeah, kind of thing. Like, um, discounts for uh, events and things like that. And so. And they'll get like um, really primo tickets. I know. When, they, when my mom told me I was going to have floor seats, I was like, oh my God. I was so angry at you. I was so angry. I was it just feeling unfair. It did feel unfair. I remember. It was very envy. I was very envious because I remember um, the way that I got my tickets was uh, the concert was in September, right? Because it was right, or maybe it was right before my birthday. Right around no, it was September. It was right. It was September. right. It was right around my birthday, and it was actually it was actually October. Um, oh, that's right. And my parents got it for me as a birthday present, even though me too. Like, okay. Me too. No, my my. I remember like. The thing about my parents is I think like I got I definitely got the sense from them of like there was definitely a subtext when I asked them for Janet tickets. They were like, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, Janet tickets. And I had never seen her before. Um, But there was just this subtext of this is way too expensive and we're definitely not going to get it for you, but we'll try. Like, (laughs) Um, So imagine to my surprise when I opened my birthday card. And there were two tickets to the Janet concert. Uh, Beth Lassoff and I went together and we were also at MSG, different show, but also at MSG. It was like the night before or the night after you. But we were, (laughs) you were on the floor. We were like literally could not be further back. We were in like the furthest, like the furthest diagonal corner, like all the way in the nosebleeds um, in MSG. And Usher, who opened for Janet, was like the size of a mosquito and um yeah yeah but i still cried like an idiot i remember arriving after usher 
had started performing. This was the beginning of Usher, by the way. Usher's career. This was right after You Make Me Wanna came out. Exactly. And I loved him. Like, Same. I, like he encapsulates, encapsulates so much of like early high school for me. Because like, it was like a sexual awakening, not literally, but like figuratively, just for everyone listening. It was very, very figurative. Um, <laughs> it was like sexual and this, you know, I just like, and, and that song, I don't know what, the, what it was about that song, but this idea that he was like pining for his best friend. We didn't realize he loved until he was with somebody else. And um, it's just, I don't know, that sounds good for me. But anyway, so I arrive at the Janet concert. He's already performing. And first of all, it also was like a moment of freedom because it's like, yes, 15, that's so young. Night, like with thousands of people. Did you guys get dropped off in front of MSG as I did? Exactly. How did my parents find me after? Because I was just thinking about this yesterday. I was just thinking about that. I'm just like, so there was the first time I went to a concert by myself. So yes, freedom. Also, we were so fucking young. Um, like, what the fuck were we doing? And like, kudos to our parents for giving us that beautiful experience. But literally anything could have happened. Like we would have been ki- we could have been kidnapped. So it was probably like very much a trade off in their minds. They were just like, okay, we never do this, but let's let them do it this one time. Um, but yeah, my dad dropped me off, dropped me and Beth off. And how the fuck did we coordinate? Like where to go? My dad, I'm sure my dad was just like walk to, you know, like 32nd and 9th or 33rd and 9th or 34th and 9th, whatever. Um, but I can't even imagine like knowing how the fuck to walk there. Cause my, my well, sense of direction in Manhattan was like nothing at that point. My mom told me to meet, like you just said, like at a specific corner. Yeah. But it was the corner where all the tour buses were. No. <laughs> so A, walking out, like, um, I saw Maxwell, like. What? <laughs> in the arena, like. Like walking, you know, in the walkway to get out. Like so, he had like, gone to the concert. Gone to the concert with the guest, and I was, and, and Max was just like in my face, and I was like, okay. <laughs> so that. Then we get outside, and Usher's tour bus is like loading, so I'm pretty sure I saw Usher up close, and I was also like, ah! and I was like, me get in the car, and I'm like, ah! Usher. Um, Deb's like, yeah. get over it. We got to be traffic. <laughs> And like honestly, I was just saying this to somebody else recently, just about like how bad I feel. Or a, I want to just like pour one out and thank my parents. Yeah. Like the ages of like eleven to twenty-four, twenty-three. My my parents were just my chauffeurs. Like that's I what know. They did. Like I know. Like, drive me an hour into the city, please. What I are you going to do for the three or four hours that I'm busy? Are you going to drive all the way back to Brooklyn and then drive back to the city? I know. So like, By the time you go back to Brooklyn, like, it's already time to turn right a, right a fucking round and, like, come back. Yeah. Damn. And, Pour one out and, and, my, and my dad has such a vivid memory of my friendships in middle and high school just based on, like, oh, is that so-and-so who lived blah, blah, blah place? My dad does the same thing! My dad's like, is she the one that lived in Manhattan Beach? Is she the one that lived on, like, Herring Street? Is she the one that lived wherever? Didn't we drop her off one time? Literally, I hung out with Beth, Beth, speaking of Beth, like, so I moved back to Brooklyn. Beth still lives in, in South Brooklyn. And um, we've been hanging out a lot. So I think I mentioned uh, that I was seeing Beth to my dad. <laughs> my dad was like, oh, yeah, she's she's in Sheepshead Bay, right? She's right on the bay, right? Didn't I didn't I drop her off one time? <laughs> I was like, accurate, accurate. <laughs> 
Because the thing is, like, we, um, to explain a little something about South Brooklyn culture. So South Brooklyn, if you look on a map, there's an area of Brooklyn indicated South Brooklyn that's not really South Brooklyn. When we say South Brooklyn, we mean, like, southeast, far from the train Brooklyn, you know? Reasonably far from the train, Brooklyn, for the most part. You were closer to the train. Yes, it's very much, but it's, it's a driving culture down there because you can't really get to the train without taking a bus or walking like 25 minutes or taking or driving your car and like parking near the, near the train station. So it's not. I don't know, like things aren't as accessible. So we had a very like, we had a very specific adolescence slash childhood. You know what I mean? It was this weird, like straddling the line between urban and suburban. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was a big thing to get your license. It was. Driving. If you were like one of our like richer friends, you like definitely had a car the day that you like turned 16. Who had a Lexus? (coughs) Ashley. (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I had something in my throat. Yeah, so, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, just, it was, just, yeah, you're right. It was just an interesting mix of urban, suburban. Yeah. Yeah, because when you think about it, it's like, whenever, whenever I tell people, I don't know about you, but when I tell people that I grew up in Brooklyn, they're like, even my therapist was like, that must have been, <laughs> this is kind of how she used, this is my old therapist. She's like, that must have been really... You must have grown up really fast. I feel like people who grow up in the city are just forced to grow up really fast. Um, it's like, nah, nah, like those are two different. I know. I know. And like, in some ways, yes, because I remember like I was taking the city bus to and from school in junior high, like when I was 11 years old, you know? Just to- we thought y'all were weird. Just like I thought we were weird being on the yellow bus. But like, we were like, look at those grown folks. Just like, I definitely thought you guys were weird. I, I definitely, you know, what's funny now that you mentioned this, I was, we were also judging you guys. I think we were also like being like, what are you like in fifth grade still <laughs> taking the cheese bus? <laughs> that was definitely like the right call. Cause I had some like, nothing ever happened to me per se on the city bus, but like there were some close calls, man. I can, I can remember like a couple of very distinct uh, situations on the city bus, but I was also 11. Like, yeah. man, I don't know. Um, so there was that, but then also like our go-to place to hang out in was the United Artists movie theater and TGI Fridays. So it wasn't like we were we were going into the city and being very cultured on a regular basis. Every single Friday. Every single Friday. Every single Friday. Every single Friday. It was like, you didn't go on Saturday. Man, we were such creatures of habit. We were like 80 year olds at, at 16. I need to mention, think about your adulthood Friday. Think about how much you need rest on Friday. Yes. Yes. Now, for our parents, we were like, oh, you just ended a work week? Nah, you see, you see, I got a social life. So like, you still need to take me out tonight. I Ma, I got a date. I got a date. You got to drive me. You got to drive me to the UA so I can watch Dumb and Dumber with my boyfriend. Exactly. <laughs> and we're going to make out outside of Nap Street Bagels. <laughs> that was never my life. Sorry. I'm a late bloomer, but... It was like I was an early bloomer, and then I just stopped short. So <laughs> yeah, 
you know, it's just like so absurd. And so absurd. I know for a fact that if my parents, or if I ever become a parent, you know, and my, my daughter or son in their teen years asks me to drag them around. On a Friday night, the answer is going to always be no. I forget what age it was where I really started hitting a wall on Friday nights where it was just like, wow, 730. I want to pass the fuck out. So let's talk about the concert itself. You know, first of all, the entire concert is available for your viewing pleasure on the YouTubes. Um, I went to watch it yesterday and the opening shot is of the New York City skyline with the Twin Towers. And it was so overwhelming. I don't know. Like, for some reason, I just, I wasn't thinking about it at all. And then I felt like I got smacked in the face with it. It was very weird. Because, I mean, I I was going into it like, oh my God, you know, I'm going to think about this thing that you and I used to watch repeatedly, like obsessively on VHS tape. Um... And I wasn't, I don't know, I, I wasn't thinking about that at all. And I totally forgot that that was a part of the opening of the recording. And it was right there. And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, this was 1998. So, yeah. Sorry, I know that's kind of a downer to open with. That was a weird window of time because it was after the first bombing. Yeah. Yeah. Then before 9-11, where, like... It was really clear that the Twin Towers were like supposed to be a symbol of like your prowess and capitalism and everything, and that was vulnerable. Yeah, these would be the '94 fine. Um, I don't remember that opening sequence, but I could imagine, like, even when I watch episodes of Friends and they still splice to, you know, the Twin Towers, it's always like, yeah. You know, I'm sorry like I made a note of that and I was like should I mention this I feel like it'll be emotionally resonant and it was but also like how do you recover from that the concert began that's how you recover from (laughs) and cue like women in suits and hats and cue me feeling really gay yeah (laughs) Um, I feel like so This probably existed before the Velvet Rope Tour, but I feel like, God, um, if you're a Janet fan, if you're a diehard Janet fan, you're also part of the Janet dancer fandom, meaning you also like, I hate the word Stan, but I'm going to use it here. Like a millennial. You also stan her dancers and you know, like her dancers' names, like Tina Landon and Seanette Hurd and Tice motherfucking Diorio. (laughs) We did it in the same order. That's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's telling, you know? That, that's really the trifecta. Tice came third, because I mean, I think you were just asking who's your favorite dancer. Well, it would have still been Tina, but then I would have said Tina's Tina is Hmm. Tina is, I mean, Tina's number one. And I built my entire aesthetic in junior high on Tina Landon in the Janet era, like specifically in the You Want This video. You want this? Remember she had that, like, amazing bob haircut during that time? She just looked amazing. Also in the If video. So, yeah, the dancers were just, like, incredible and had their own fandom. What? You may be more gay than Janet did. Oh, my God. So gay. So, so gay. Um, 
Yeah, that never that never turned into because um, like obviously like when you're queer, I feel like when you're a kid and maybe you don't have the language to put to it yet, you have people of the same gender that you look at and you and that you aspire to be like. And then years later, you kind of look back and go, oh, I was gay for that person, but not so with Janet. There wasn't really like a turning point. I for real, for real. Whereas like Tina yeah. was very weird. Tina. I had an entire meltdown. I got home from the concert. I was like, I'm supposed to be a dancer. Why was I never a dancer? You had the same meltdown about like two, three years ago, I should mention. Yeah. And I was like, I'm supposed to be a dancer. Like, it's too late. And what's crazy to have is at 15, I convinced myself it was too late to start. That's hilarious. I'm 37. (laughs) At 35, you had the same meltdown, but it was was founded at that point. When I was in grad school, I, there was, so I was in grad school at BU and in Boston, there's this, uh, this chain of thrift stores called Boomerangs. I don't know if it's anywhere else but Boston, but um, anyway, it's big in Boston. And I went there and they had all these like dollar VHS tapes. Um, And one of the VHS tapes was a Tina Landon like dance workout video. And I clearly bought it. And it was amazing. (laughs) That's all I have to say. And she was wearing these like wide leg, like Jenko ass jeans, you know? It was pretty incredible. They were like khaki colored Jenko jeans. A curl in Jenko jeans? A revelation. I know. <laughs> um, what is your favorite song performance from the concert? I think it's Rope Burn. Bringing the guy on the stage. We invested a lot of time into figuring out what the guy was saying. <laughs> After she brought him on stage, because you can't quite hear it in the recording, but he's he won't stop talking to her. I know she. She basically tell him to shut up like several times. Yes, yes. She just like goes shh. (laughs) (laughs) You don't understand. I love you. I love you. You don't understand. Uh, I think that's probably some why it's my favorite. It's always it is my favorite performance because like. I mean, he's clearly in heaven. Yes. You know, like, he's clearly, like, every dream I've ever had is being manifest as we speak and beautiful things are cool. And, you know, I also just thought it was, like, very racy. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, pulling the rope between her legs. I mean, also actually suggestive. And then the All For You concert comes, and she, like... Oh, she topped it. Like, tops it by getting on a bed. Conversation for a different day. (laughs) But she's, like, riding everything in that in that concert. Um, but yeah, no, Rope, Rope Burn's my fave. And then obviously I get Molly as a close second. Mm-hmm. That track is perfect. It's for all, it's all, it's all perfection, the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I was jotting down my faves. Like, so, I mean, we do have to recognize the... How just, like, impeccably structured the control medley is. Like, the throwback medley. It's just, like, perfectly constructed. And then you have, like, the Busta breakdown during Nasty. Here's my other question about the concert. Who is... So Mia and I like, and not just with this concert, but with other concerts too, which we will get into in other episodes, but there's also fandom around featured audience members in the recordings of live concerts. So the kooky audience members that the camera will cut to from time to time, fandoms can grow around those people the people who particularly catch your eye. So in the Velvet Rope Tour, do you remember who's your favorite featured audience member? Um, or would you have to give it another watchy watch? I would need to really watch it again. But um, we've already mentioned, you know, our illustrious guest on stage during Rope Burn who lost his mind. <laughs> um, there's another guy, another black guy that like mouths the lyrics from the audience. <laughs> there's a yeah there's a guy in the audience during if who's like doing the choreography and is a very into it he's one of my faves yeah there's also a guy during if that looks like someone we went to high school with like he just looks like he's from staten island or from south brooklyn but he also like he's singing in this very like macho way that is clearly like he's con- he he clearly thinks that she's singing directly to him <laughs> he's like that's right jen and i'm your boyfriend right and she's like i don't know who you are <laughs> so that's one what was going on in our lives at this point the year was 1998. Um, I had my first boyfriend. Hey! Sorry. That was like a vivid memory, vivid time in my life. My, I, had, I had a favorite sweater from The Gap. This time. That's very Being specific. <laughs> um, it was like, it was almost like a fleece, but it wasn't quite fleece, but it was like a fleece kind of, kind of feeling to it. And I used to wear that all the time over like cargo pants and like these maroon, like Doc Martin type shoes. Um, so I have a very vivid image of like what my style was like at the time, which was like a mix of like urban outfitters and um, uh, I don't know what I would call the other style, but like I had gone to Cape Cod that summer and living out my like Dawson's Creek fantasies. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Cape Cod with my family. And so I bought all this like boho, like Cape Cod chic type stuff. So I was like, it was like a mixture of those two things. That's what I remember about the time. What was going on in your life? 98. October 98. So this is the beginning of sophomore year, right? Summer after freshman year was when I dated Nelson. And we had just broken up. And what? <laughs> What's crazy about my memory of the Velvet Rope Tour is that that's not even on my radar, like, from that time. It's like it didn't happen. It's one of those, um, <laughs> this is so shitty. But that's this is like 15-year-old mentality, you know what I mean? It's just like, oh, we dated for the summer, and now um, the reason I broke up with this person, by the way, was that we went to two different high schools, both in South Brooklyn. I said, it'll never work. 
Um, we we lived like a ten minute drive from each other. It's fucking absurd. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like high school, God, so much of high school is a blur. I feel like when we talk about junior high, it'll be like way more crystallized for me. Well, I mean, I guess we had our group of friends. Our group of friends was huge. We hung out in the auditorium every morning, which, by the way. The morning was 6 a.m. I was just going to say, like, we, so our high school was huge. And because of that, we were on a split schedule. So um, the upper class men, the upper class students, whatever, uh, started at like at literally 7 a.m. was our first class. And um, the younger students started closer to like 1030, but they ended later. But we started at 7 a.m., meaning we were like literally in school at 630 a.m. We were in school ready with our eating bagels from the lobby with our hair did and our makeup did. Well, our makeup and our hair did, but wearing like a velour jumpsuit, a velour tracksuit. As was the uh, the South Brooklyn style at that time, and still probably, we uh, we had a very one of our best friends in high school dated a dude that was connected, shall we say? Um, <laughs> and he was the man, like he he was the man. He was very protective of us, um, but his uh, his sister was terrifying. I mean, I don't miss it. But there are some elements that I miss. I don't know. My high school was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Also, I don't know about you, but I feel like academically, high school was way harder than college for me. And maybe it was because I feel like I didn't have nearly as much time in high school. I just felt like I had no time. I know we didn't get to talk about this at the beginning of the episode, but um, how are you? How am I doing? I feel cautiously optimistic in general. I mean, everything that's happening on the geopolitical stage right now is capital L O L. Like I'm just like L O L. Everything's imploding. It's whack a do. <laughs> whack a do. I just let it burn, bro. I'm like, I know. Burning. <laughs> Start from scratch. Start from scratch. I mean, to be clear, scratch would be Pence becoming president for like this weird five week window. Ah! <laughs> That's how I feel about that. That's how I feel. Like, it finally collapsed on itself, and it could not be. Lethal is like too strong a word, but it's just. Um, I mean, it's just, I, I just kind of, I, I always felt like Trump's administration was, that just kept like slipping through, like, you know, like loopholes. Like it just kept, like no one could catch them. You know, like we would just put out the most egregious, mm-hmm. really baseless, like information, like showing how. And it has never really mattered. Whatever. Yeah. And it's just, he's going. Yeah. And leader of the free world getting Corona. Like with four weeks to go to the election, it's just peak. Now if he survives, it'll be peak Trump, you know, because he always like just keeps emerging. Just like a cockroach, can't kill him. 
So honestly, I've been amused um, for the last 24 hours. Just like, and it, I mean, it's actually, I mean, I keep refreshing the news, like hoping that something negative will come. And it hasn't been as negative as I was hoping, but. Mm. Yeah. Um, I also, I mean, I felt like somewhat vindicated when that happened. Um, but I also, I, I do feel like a mounting. So you mentioned last week, um, not to like blow up your spot, but, um, you mentioned that you were having the dreads last week and not yeah. hair dreads, like just the random dread feelings in your chest. And I have to say, like, the last couple of days, it's been mounting for me. Um, and it could very well be PMS. But I think it is also, like, uh, just anticipation of the election. And because it, it feels like a collective when you're anticipating something really important um, and a huge turning point um, that means a lot. And it's like we're all driving toward it and we have been for a long time and I don't know. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of anxiety around it. Um so yeah. I don't know. I mean that probably has something to do with it. But anxious. Yeah, so it's, it's a weird time to be recording a first ep of a podcast. Any parting words on the Velvet Rope Tour? This will not be our first episode and also our first Janet episode. Definitely not our last because Janet is our Lord and Savior. Well, for those of you who for some reason have never seen it. Um, get on it. Do yourself a favor and find it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Madison Garden. That's how you know you're in the right place. Uh, <laughs> and, and just enjoy the little medleys like Caitlin mentioned earlier. You know, like the medleys are little snippets of nostalgia and perfection medleys are primo primo medleys and she never i mean i've I've now seen what three or four other concerts since then and like the medleys were never as good as they were never never i feel like they're they're always good but the way that they are constructed especially that control medley is just like oh it just like hits every fucking desire that you have you know it's just good go see it yeah what are we going to talk about next time do we know we don't know yet yeah. but we'll figure it out and we don't know our title we have a lot coming at you yeah, we <laughs> the list is long there are tables there are categories there are genres there are eras there are auteurs there are schools of acting that are coming up like the nev the nev campbell school of acting which i can't wait for because i feel like uh mia's gonna school us on that Mia's the one that came up with this concept of the Nev Campbell School of Acting. So, and then once you see it, you can't unsee it. That's like, right. <laughs> Good luck with the next week, everybody. United States of America. I feel like we should be calling ourselves like historically. Yeah, the former United States of America. It's like the artist formerly known as Prince. <laughs> The country formerly known as the USA. Oh. <laughs>